Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Good morning, everyone. Volume sounds okay, I think. So here we go. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. We'll start at verse 28 and read to the end of the chapter, and then we'll get into the wonderful mountaintop experience of Romans 8. Verse 28 of Romans 8. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And he might be that we might be, he might be the firstborn, sorry, among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Whom he did predestinate, who he called, I should say, and he called them, he also justified them. Whom he justified them, he also glorified. I better clear my glasses there in my reading. That verse is very good. Verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns us? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, risen again, and who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine, or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, to all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 28, we'd like to look at it and understand that a lot of us use this verse for comfort from the word. Nothing wrong with applying this passage that way for comfort and peace to believe that everything's going to be okay. But the interpretation must also be understood. For we know by God working all things together for our good, the context is eternal matters and eternal benefits, which we'll see in the verses to come. As we look into chapter 8, verse 28 to 32, let's note that ultimately God will make us as Christ. His plan started in the eternity past. If we were to read Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5, we would say, according as he has chosen us, in him, before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children through Jesus Christ to himself, according to God's pleasure, his will. He predestinated one day, he predetermined one day that we would be his sons. God never predetermines people to be condemned. Just predetermined them to be as a son. Let's look at this chapter 8, verse 28, and break it down into seven parts. First part is we know. We know what? Well, we know from James chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, that he giveth more grace, and God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves unto God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Deny, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. We know that. We know also in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that there has no temptation taken you, such as in common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you above all that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Sometimes he doesn't take these things away from us that we're going through. Sometimes he gives us the strength to go through these things instead of taking them away. We would sooner have them take, the, take this COVID-19 away. But as we go through it, understand that many people that would not normally take an opportunity to listen about eternal things are listening because they're confused and they're afraid. Now, we know these things. Let's go into the second part of Romans 8, 28. We know that all things, not some things, but all things. As we look into this, we understand and gain confidence that even though we don't know all these things, but we know that God, what he's doing, he makes no mistakes. So all these things that we go through, and that brings up the next word together. Now last week I gave you an illustration that all things, we know all things work together. And we know that as we were to make a chocolate cake, and we would have to take these different items, raw eggs, bitter cocoa powder, salt, and many other things that are put into that mixture. And then individually, it doesn't taste good. But when you put it all together and you mix it all together, we come up with a yummy cake. And it's chocolate, of course, which most people like that. The baker knows and the creator knows the outcome of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good. God's purpose. And that's what we have in that next section. Section 5, we have, to them that love God. In Romans 5, 5, God is in our hearts. His love is in our hearts. And he provides the promise. 
and his promises for believers, for born again ones, that to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose, born again, being called for a purpose. Verse 29 tells us that that purpose is that God knows before the foundation of the world what that purpose is. According to his purpose is the last part of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. God's goal. God's goal is verse 29. For whom he didn't know, he foreknew. He did predestinate God's purpose for us. The born-again ones is to be conformed to the image of his son. Wow. What a purpose from eternity past. So now and throughout all eternity, God wants us to be conformed unto the image of his son. God wants us to inwardly share the likeness of his son. So he predestinated or foreordained us to be like Christ. God not only knows the goal, but he knows what it takes to enable us to reach that goal. Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he, God, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, until Christ's coming again. So what God has begun, he will complete it. And also, in verse 28, it works together for good. We become conformed to the image of the Son. Now let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 30. God's process. The word moreover is brought up. Who he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Suffering plays an integral part in the process of spiritual growth in Christ. It's called sanctification. It's a culmination with being perfectly conformed to the Son of God. And those who are called are justified will inevitably be glorified. Christians often find hardships and difficulties of life, the unpleasantness of going through this. They wish that they could avoid these difficulties in life. However, the scripture assures us. It assures us that uh, God has a program of suffering for his children, which he accomplishes purposes that can be realized in knowing that glory and knowing that we can get great comfort that glory grows out of suffering because of our suffering glory grows out of it second Corinthians 4 verse 17 and 18 says our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding the eternal weight of glory. Suffering 
Lord, while we look not for things which are seen, for the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 30 shows us all things working together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. So verse 28 is very important to what follows in verses 31 to 35. Important questions come up. These important questions that are asked in verse 31, as we look at verse 29, 30, and 31, it says, God foreknew and predestinated us into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn in authority. In verse 30, it says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called, whom he justified, and then he also glorified. In verse 31 comes a question. What shall we say then to these things that are mentioned in these first 28 verses, 29 verses? First 30 verses of the idea of these wonderful things. What shall we say to these things? God, if God be for us, who can be against us? 32 emphasizes, in verse 32, it emphasizes the ground on which we receive all this authority for God being with us. And nobody being against us. Because if God spared not his own son, but he delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? He's going to. If he gave his own son for us, what else would he do for us? And what else is more precious than what he did? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Another question comes up. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God elect? You see, sometimes Satan tries to say to us, you're not worthy. You, you didn't do anything to get this, so you probably don't have it. But it says it's God that justifies. It's past tense. In verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died on the cross for you. Yea, he rose from the dead. And by resurrection, who is, who is even at the right hand of God? So here we have the gospel in a nutshell in these two verses. God who did not give up the son for, without a purpose. He gave his son that through him we might be blessed. We are accepted in beloved. He not only died, but he was buried and he rose again the third day. Ascended up into glory, sit at the right hand of God making intercession for us. He maketh an intercession for us. As a summary of chapter 8, the question comes in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? 
who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It says, shall tribulation. What is tribulation? It's testing. It's, uh, it's Satan trying us every way he can to fail. I think Satan trembles when the weakest and the newest child of God is on their knees, when their heart is bowed before God in prayer, Satan trembles. He knows he cannot interfere in that portion. And distress, shall, shall the stress separate us? Satan applies pressure to oppress us. He has us thinking we're helpless. We can't help ourselves. But we know from this that we don't have to help ourselves. We have to yield ourselves unto the Spirit of God, unto the Spirit of life, unto Christ Savior, unto God the Father, and say, here am I. Use me. Persecution. Persecution cannot separate us. Satan uses adverse distraction. He uses non-believers. And he uses believers sometimes to distract us, to persecute us. Suffering, suffering shall not separate us from the love of God. How about famine, lack of food, caused by maybe no job, or, or when these people were saved in the early century, they were excommunicated from their family. They were not given jobs, they were not given food, they wouldn't even be able to see the children because they followed after Christ. And that did not cause them to separate from the love of God, the love of Christ. Shall nakedness, the lack of means to buy clothing, or shame, shall that separate us from the love of God? No. Peril. The state of danger. We're in a state of danger now, I believe. We all are worrying, kind of. Um, hopefully, we're trusting that God will preserve us. And if he doesn't, then he'll take us through, which he did for Billy's family, brought him straight through this terrible, terrible, terrible disease that's plaguing the world. Is that going to separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? No. How about sword, war, loss of life, or, or lost loved ones, or we're depressed because we lost a loved one, or wondering where they are even. Does that separate us from the love of Christ? No. Verse 35, Christ's love, this kind of love originates with God. Only Christians have this quality of love. Romans 5, 5 tells us that it's shed abroad in our heart. In Romans 5, 6 to 8, it reveals that Christ loves even when there is no response, when we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Chapter 5 and verse 9 to 10 reveals that even if we are enemies of God, he has provided all we need to be saved. What God begins, he finishes. What God undertakes, he, his, he's empowered. His power 
follows through to the completeness of it. John chapter 8, verse 36 brings out this Psalm 44, verse 22. Now, if you go back and read Psalm 44, verse 22, you find out that Israel is suffering because of their connection with God. And so this is what it's bringing out again here in Psalm 42. The people of God suffer because they were children of God. Here we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Trials are no sign that Christ is not with us. If we go through trials, it's not a sign that God or Christ is not with us or within us. It's actually an indication that we know it's a trial and we trust Christ and we get through it because it all works together for good. The people of God have always suffered for their faith. Now, when we look around the United States, we don't see much physical suffering. But the mental, mental suffering, this, they're starting to put restrictions on the Christians and how they worship and all the rest. And they're taking and we're going to lose some Christian rights and everything if, we, uh, if other, other people take power in this country. We're going to lose a lot. It's coming. The Lord Jesus is coming very soon, I believe. And it's pointing forward to that. We will not go through the tribulation, but we will see, see it begin. We will see the beginning of suffering and, and the beginning of restrictions and things like that. Romans 8.37. And all these things, we are more than common. So uh, even though these things may go against us, we understand that the love of Christ, we will not be separated from it. And now we understand that we're going to be more than conquerors. All these things is the extent of our victory in Christ. All these things mentioned in the previous verses are more than, we are more than conquerors through Christ. That's the degree of victory, more than conquerors. Through Christ, though, he's the power. And not just a victory, but we have control over that enemy of the flesh. By yielding to the Spirit of God, the source of our power are these things. Through Christ, I love us. Romans 5, verse 8. God commendeth the love towards us, and that why we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing. Ephesians 6.10, we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his glory. Romans chapter 8, verse 38-39, it completes the conquest. We have finally arrived at the top of that mountain of spiritual experience with Christ. We're no longer understanding that we're just in Christ. We're just saved, and that's it. We have received the Spirit. We have received Christ in us, the hope of glory. We receive the Spirit, Father and Son within us. And the triune God is within us. Our power that we have is the same power they did in the first century. And the power of his blood is the same strength as it was back then. And we're going to learn more about that when we're home in glory. 
But this completes that conquest. We also need to understand that Christ's love that never changes. He knows all. He cares for all of us. He intercedes for us all, believers. And, and that's a nice time here that we could say, hallelujah, what a savior, that he has delivered us from the power, penalty of sin. He's delivered us from the power of sin, and soon he'll be delivering us from that presence of sin. And verse 28, 38 comes out and says, I am persuaded. All the apostles persuaded after these passages that we just read. He's persuaded that neither death nor life, neither of these have power to overcome our eternal life. If we die, we do not die in our sins because we trusted Christ and die for our sins. We are buried, awaiting for the coming. The body shall be changed and we should be caught up with him in the air. Beloved, not death nor life shall separate us. Angels, principalities, and powers in this verse. It refers to supernatural beings, evil ones, that want to harm us. But Christ, in Colossians 2.15, has spoiled principalities and power. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 and 19, he has made a show of them openly. And he nailed it to his cross, his cross, nailed it to his cross. And he has victory over this. And therefore, in him, we have victory over all these things that we have. Things present, things to come. It refers to the mention of time here. Christ is the Lord of time and of eternity. Neither height nor depth. Nothing in the expanse of the whole space. And finally it says, nor any other creature. Absolutely no possible loophole is left here. Nothing, no other creature even, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. No condemnation at the beginning of the chapter. No separation at the end of the chapter. Verse 39. In Christ, our Lord, after the enumerating ten facts that we've got brought up just now in these verses, understand that the power of these factors are great. But none of them not one of them will be able to separate us from his love. This agape love of God reminds us of verse 32. He spared not his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. How shall we, how shall he not freely give us all things. In Romans, I mean, John chapter 14, verse 2 to 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be 
also. In closing, consider the tremendous truth in Romans chapter 8, beginning with in Christ. That's a great relationship that we have. No condemnation is a great promise. We're children of God. We're born into this family of God. We're sons of God. Maturity and growth. We're adopted. We're put in a place of authority. We're heirs with Christ. Possessions in glory. And the triune God within us. Security down here. While we're here. Walking with earth. Hope of his coming, future glory, you know, ending with more than conquerors, we win in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And I close with Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his way past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? For of him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. That is the top of the mountain of Romans 8. Hallelujah. What a salvation. Praise the Lord. What a Savior we have in Christ Jesus. We thank thee, our Father, for this opportunity to bring forth these wonderful things, security things, and, and benefits and promises and, and power of God within us. Thank thee, our Father, for this time that we've had to come at the bottom realizing we're in Christ. And rise up and find out that Christ is in us. And further up that Romans 8, as we continue to read, we will find that there is nothing that's going to be separating us from God or from Christ and from the love of Christ. The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're at the mountaintop now. Help us to enjoy the remainder of this day. We pray for the baptism that you will just give us nice sunshine, enough for it. I have a baptism through the waves and between the waves of these uh, rainstorms, Lord. We commit it to thee and trust that it will be a blessing to all. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.